If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 403 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean O'Shea Khan, and for the week we have in it, we're going to talk a lot about Irish MMA. We have Bellator 291 coming up. We're going to break down that whole card. And do you know what? We'll see how it goes, but maybe just that whole card. We have the takeaways coming on uh, on Tuesday morning as well. Anyway, so they'll be breaking down all the UFC, but we're going to concentrate on the Irish MMA scene and the big Irish MMA card coming up next week on this podcast. And myself and Graham are, are here to do that. Before we get into all of that, we must tell you that this episode of our beautiful podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Manscaped and everyone probably knows Manscaped by now but they have some absolutely fantastic products they have the new beard hedge trimmer pro kit as well as the lawnmower 4.0 and all that great stuff uh the beards um hedger pro kit uh, the beard hedger itself it's a cordless trimmer uh and has a rotary wheel with 20 hair cutting lengths uh, all in one guard so mo- no more messy drawers full of all these kits it's available over in um the u.s and canada and a few more places as well at the moment you can get all those brilliant products over on manscaped.com and you can use the promo code severe mmf for 20% off plus free shipping right now that beard hedger is the ultimate tool to get you looking absolutely brilliant seven million men worldwide already trust manscaped with their balls so it's time to trust them with their hair up top to manscaped they've taken your grooming game to the next level and now it's take, to take it a level after that Again with the Beard Hedger, it's an electric beard, hair trimmer and a premium sculpting machine. As I said, all on one guard, leaving little mess and it's waterproof too, but it doesn't end there. Uh, they have created four dermatologist tested formulations, the, the shampoo, the conditioner, the beard oil and the beard balm, which are, you know, really, really, really great. Um, the... Uh, you know the beard balm itself it has it, it caps off the kit with pomades the shape styles moisturizes your hair before that you had the beard oil will take away the brittleness and you know the, the the shampoo and the conditioner to get it feeling clean get it clean first and then get it feeling absolutely good it re- reduces uh ingrown hairs replaces natural oils uh and uh, promotes beard health as well so the beard hair pro kit comes with three free gifts a brush comb and scissors to ensure you have all the tools for everything you need, as well as the lawnmower 4.0, and that kit, that is absolutely everything you need as well. From first impression to last, you're going to absolutely love it. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMA at manscaped.com. It's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code SEVEREMA. Spice up your life 
with Manscaped. One stroke, one guard, 20 lints on that beautiful beard hedger from Manscaped. Right, Graham, let's talk about it. Bellator 291. Um, look, we, we I suppose we, we get we go to the, we, we'll in the negatives first and then we'll give the last the 95% of this podcast uh with positives, I suppose. Trust you to start off with the negatives. <laughs> <laughs> I want to kind of get them out of the way, but look, the, the negatives are, I suppose, that maybe this isn't the card that the Irish fan base would have wanted. I think there's there's probably may, maybe only like two or three fights uh, at the top of this card. The ones maybe lower down are okay, but uh, and two or three is probably a stretch that people actually would have really like enjoyed. I think the Pedro Cavario versus Jeremy Kindy fight is good. I think the Sinead Kavanagh, Janae Harney fight is, is grand, I think, in terms of the matchmaking. Um, but after that, you're like, you're hoping for a big fight for Brian Moore. We didn't get it. You're hoping for a James Gallagher big fight. You didn't get that. And obviously James is, is injured now and out of his fight. And, and well, I don't know if he's injured now. We, we, that hasn't been announced yet, but it seems like he's injured and out of his fight. And, and you know, looking forward to seeing James back when he can get back. Liam McCourt is the biggest fighter for life. She's not on this card. And, you know, the main event is maybe a surprising one. And, you know, we don't have the likes of MVP. We don't have any of the big names over here. And I think it was a little bit disappointing, the Carl Moore fight. I think a lot of people made no sense. I was talking to John Cavanaugh last week, and he kind of um, made sense of it, and he did a good job, to be fair of it. You know, Richie Smullins getting a very tough matchup. Charlie Ward kind of buried down the card, even though it is a good fight. And I, I just think it felt like every announcement was like a little bit more disappointing for Irish MMA fans when it's usually the opposite. Now, I think this is kind of the first time we've had this. Now, we've had, we've had where we've love fights, love fights, love fights, and then it's like, okay, maybe it needs one or two more. Maybe we were missing something. But I don't think we've ever had a card like this before where, like, everything that gets announced, people are like, really? Is that is that is that really what's happening? Are you really giving Karen Moore this fight after he just beat that guy? Are you really matching Brian Moore against uh, that guy when he was supposed to be matched? against the guy who's around the top and they both agree to it or you like is that really the main event it was one of those ones and i think it just gave a real negative feel to the card now i think that will probably change and it will change here in the next two or three minutes when we start talking positively about it but that to me has been the way that card has felt to me but not only to me you know talking to the people over on our patreon group seeing people's reaction on twitter seeing the fans reaction and talking to them about it, it seems like it's been that way for you graham is is that the way you've kind of felt about it too or have you been more maybe more positive than, than the all-around feeling yeah i think we've talked about it before like that the maybe the positioning of the the card is surprising and obviously James, as you mentioned, that fight is off now, but not having that on the card was a bit of a strange one. So there were there were a couple of kind of grumblings that I saw about strange decisions. But, like, you know, looking at the card, there is, like, a pretty good stretch, start, starting with, like, you know, uh, Brian Moore, Carl Moore, Kenny, uh, Kieran Clark, Peter, and Sinead, and then Pedro in the co-main event. Like, so, like, if some wins start, start going off there, you know, they could, they could get pretty exciting. But... Uh, I, I like I do expect the card to be exciting, but I, I do know what you mean. Uh, there definitely could have been a bit more, and you know, if the Pedro Carvalho Jeremy Kennedy fight is like, uh, you know, isn't a very exciting one. I actually expect it to be a exciting one, but you might see some some fans start to flood out. Um, you know, after that that, that fight's over, uh, even though the obviously the the Bellator title is on the line in the main event, we've seen before, like kind of big fights for promotion that aren't big fights on local territory kind of you know the crowds empty out and it is you know maybe that will happen maybe it won't but 
Um, obviously, because it's a title fight, they've put it at the top of the card. But I think the Irish fans would would have been happier with a with an Irish guy at the top of the card. Yeah, I think. Look, the other one. We, to we look sound at, we sound a bit like spoiled where we're like, yeah. oh, we don't want this title <laughs> fight at the top of our card. But like, I think that's yeah. how people feel. It, it is. We were only, I suppose, we were only telling it how it is here like I think it's uh, like having watched yeah, back like, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to Amazon and me too story, yeah but, especially like, having watched back the, the reaction fight. of the, the people that we've seen yeah. 100% especially having watched back their first fight I'm really looking forward and we will get in and break it down but we have like we have to be honest I saw a lot of people kind of saying you know I'll wait for Cage Words I'll wait for the next Bellator I'll wait for Katie Taylor is going to be fighting in, in two months time I'll wait for that I'll wait for the PFL kind of thing and there has been a lot of that so it'll be interesting to see the crowd as well the one thing I suppose Bellator would point in, and maybe other people would point to as well, is um, Musasi and Austin Vanderford fought in the main event recently, and I don't think there was a massive upheaval of people for that fight. I think uh, there have been other fights recently where people have left, uh, but before the you know before the main event. Um, but and maybe that's because it's Musasi and it's the name, you know, Yamasov and, and Storley are not the names of them. Even though at this stage in their career, they're probably better fighters. Uh, the winner will will probably prove himself as that anyway, even though because Musasi is getting a bit older. You know what I mean? I don't know if they the name draw to kind of hold people in. So it will be interesting, especially like Dublin people. And you, I don't know if you would agree with this, Graham or not, but Dublin people are like very picky about what they will actually like come out for and stay for them like ah you know the Lewis we get the early Lewis home like are we you know I, I, do you agree with that Graham that people are a little bit like that like a lot uh, of the SPG crowd go come know. in and leave after Pedro like oh we saw Pedro we saw yeah. our SPG guy now good luck you know I'm going to go home well, it's a long night of like Irish fights, and if you're there from the start watching Irish fights, and you're you're not like a a hardcore MMA fan, you're just kind of like you know a part of the gym, or you know a few the 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 fighters or things like that. You know, you're definitely you know be understandable if after what four hours or whatever it is, five six hours of, of MMA that you that you say, oh, I've I've seen enough, and you go home. For the hardcore fans, obviously they'll they'll like this main event, but. You know, when you're selling out, whatever, nine or 10,000 people in the three arena or hoping to anyway, there's going to be a lot of people who, who aren't hardcore MMA fans there. And, and if, if they all leave, it'll, it will look half empty. We've seen it before. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is a weird thing to say, but I know a lot of people who've been at recent MMA cards, and it's not just Bellator, it just so happens Bellator have been there a lot. There's been a lot of like, uh, you know, it's, it's not been that easy to sit in the crowd and watch the cards, let's say. If we put it that way, there's been a lot of people like heavily intoxicated in in one thing or another. Let's put it that way. Oh, oh, oh man, she <laughs> <laughs> no, but moaning about people having fun again. Uh, here we go. Yeah, but I think sometimes it can go a little bit overboard, and and you know people don't really like that as well. And that you know that could be an excuse for it. Do you want to get caught out with a lot of fucking? You know, drugged up it's loud the same, at the end it's the of the same shit that goes on with the rugby. They're always like, "Oh, people are coming in for points and getting." It's in, not just points. The points are fine. Well, it's it's the it's the rest. I think. I think they need to put fucking spikes in the back of the toilets inside in the tree in that time. I think there's not a bit of that, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's. it's uh, the cards have kind of gone from a really exciting experience for a lot of people I think to, to think that like some people I think might be better off avoiding if you get me like and I think they are not better off well, part, them, part, part of that I think it. is though that they're coming with regularity and you know it's not like with the UFC where if they come now and they might not come for another five six seven years with Bellator you kind of know they're coming back so if you're not 
particularly excited about the car, you might be like, oh, let's catch the next one. Yeah. Because of, you kind of assume they'll be back quick enough. Yeah, and if they don't really care about the actual car that's happening as well, they'll make, they'll make their own fun, I suppose. But yeah, anyway, that's we'll, we'll leave the negativity there. We'll leave, we'll leave it there. But we'll look, we'll see how it happens and we'll report back. Um, Obviously, next week I'll be up in Dublin on Thursday. I'll be there Thursday, Friday for the wins and Saturday for the card as well. So a lot of coverage coming from over in Severe May if you uh, haven't signed up for our YouTube yet. Now would probably be the week, honestly, on our Patreon as well. It will be a good place to be as well this week. Um... Let's get into the garden. I suppose, Graham, we, we, we go from the, the bottom to the top. Um, and there's, look, there's a few fights on the card that we won't get into massively here. Stephen Hill against Joel Kuja. Uh, Kazan Megamad Sherapov, obviously the brother of Zabit, fighting Rafael Hudson, who fought Kieran Clark last time out and had a really, really good showing there. Uh, Lena Klinu against uh, Jenna Bishop. And Oleg Popov against Gokan Sakram as well. Although that's a big heavyweight fight, Gokan Sakram has fought a couple of times in Dublin now and has got a couple of, of big knockouts. So that's, uh, you know, that's a, an interesting fight, but one where we're not going to concentrate mass- massively on here because we're keeping an eye, I suppose, on, on the Irish guys as well. Let's start with um, and the guys fighting out of Ireland. Uh, Asel Ajuj, he's fighting Liam McCracken. I know uh, Harry has spoken to Liam. I think it was, it was Ian, wasn't it? Spoke to uh, Asiel. Um, two guys who have a lot of talk behind them, a lot of hype behind them for, for younger guys coming up, you know, similar enough sort of records, but 4-1 against 3-0, you know, I asked, I interviewed Peter Quigley there a couple of months ago, I asked him who's the up and coming guy at, at a profession in the gym, who you would say to look out for, and he told me the guy is Asiel, he is the he is the guy coming up, so, you know, I watched him obviously fight a couple of times, he's kickboxing, looks really, really good, obviously coming from that background and, you know, he's fighting against Konstantin Blanita, when they were both 0-0, was the most high level on off fight I think anyone could ever see it was that good honestly I remember thinking after and I said it on the podcast as well about how good that was and then you look at McCracken from the other side of it as well he's a guy you know look at these three wins uh, ground and pound rear naked choke first round rear naked choke first round so you know he, he can fight all around but I guarantee you he'll be looking to get this fight to the ground against SAL and try to submit him and SAL I'm sure will be looking to keep it on the feet and, uh, and get a big knockout there it's an interesting yeah. fight Graham and, it's important to mention yeah. though that he's, he has an extensive amateur record where he's he's been rounds you know 100%. he hasn't just been yeah. in there and finished people in the first round and hasn't really been tested in that situation he's actually been fighting for many years at, at amateur and has been to decisions and has you know uh, kind of you know uh earned his crust before turning pro and has been in the game a little longer than us I Yeah, 100%. And I think that that is a big thing as well. We've talked about that. I actually talked about it with Kieran Clark and John. We look at it with Christian Leroy Duncan, a guy who's gone to... Um, to the UFC now who's had a long background in, in amateur fighting before that's a very important thing and I think for, for him coming in here that's great but for SL as well I think it's an interesting fight because this is the first time I think a lot of people are kind of building the hype around SL you know obviously when, when I do an interview and I ask someone like Peter Queeley who is the guy and he says that that builds it a little bit Ian talks to him put out clips that builds a little bit he's out there and now he's won, won four fights won four in a row after Constantine Benita fight that builds another little bit and it builds and builds and builds so and this is how fighters I suppose get that reputation and, and keep going and, yeah you forgot you know, about me picking him to, to beat uh, Jordan Barton in his last fight but the Graham sound, sound the alarm <laughs> he's given the stamp of approval <laughs> the Graham <laughs> roll. but yeah big fight for us and look forward to seeing him um, Derek Kelly against Darvell Jordan then you know this is a fight 
uh, I said this a couple of times now, and I must go back and check. And it was, it was a fight that was talked about before and didn't end up happening, or, or it was, uh, it, maybe it's just been out there for such a long time that I, I kind of half forgot about it. But, uh, you know, the Derek Henley now has had two fights. Darvell Jordan is uh, four fights into his career and, and two and two, but he won his last uh, one out there in the, uh, in the summer, I suppose, of last year. Um, I, I'm very interested to see this for one reason and one reason only. And it's for, well, for two reasons. Derek Kelly, first of all, is moving down from 155 pounds to 145 pounds. And if anyone has seen Derek Kelly recently, uh, and any of his fights, I, I don't know. And, and uh, maybe, maybe, maybe it's yeah. just me because I was one of the only ones at the fucking last couple of wins. But this guy is an absolute brick shithouse. Like yeah, his arms are just fucking massive. <laughs> yeah, cement yeah. blocks. Uh, I, I, he's one of those guys you look at and like think how whatever weight he's at, how the fuck is he making that weight? Just because he's so muscular, and now he's cutting down another ten pounds to make one forty five again. Like I, I don't know, is it a good idea? Maybe he's maybe he had too much muscle. He's feeling that. Maybe his team are feeling that. It'll be interesting to see how how he looks. Maybe he'll be more you know svelte, or maybe he'll be even more muscular. You never you never know, but. I, I that was shocking to me because I broke this fight I believe and I had to ask a couple of times is this actually gone down, gone to one forty five and uh, and it is so we'll see how that looks for Derek Kelly but also after his last fight I love the way he spoke because we were all, I was sitting with you Graham watching the fight and I was kind of saying Jesus. Dara's not performing well here. I I think, you know, he's only two fights into his career, but we'll have to kind of readjust how we're looking at Dara and it's going to take a lot of improvements. And then he came out and said the same thing. He's like, I can't believe I performed that way. I'm never going to perform like that again. And he was like, he said he had some issues coming yeah. into it, but I'm not he losing hesitant. an excuse. We, we yeah. were talking about it, Kate said, we were th- he looks hesitant, he looks unsure, he looks a little like delay here here and there, where usually throughout his like amateur career and, you know, obviously his his first fight was, was quick in Bellator against Junior Morgan, but he didn't look himself. And, you know, as you said, it was good to hear him kind of see it the same way and, you know, sometimes uh, they say, oh, a loss teaches you everything. But going in there and not performing, even if you win, can can be a huge thing for learning. And as you said, though, this 145 cut, I don't know about that. Like, Jesus Christ, like uh, uh, maybe he didn't have a nutritionist before and now he does and he can do it properly or something. But that would be that's a big cut for such a big guy, as you mentioned. And, you know, first fight is a different weight class, cutting extra weight that, that could pose problems. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, you know, you never really know until you, until you do the cut. But. Yeah, that would be definitely a factor. One hundred percent, and like a lot of this is a mental thing as well. Like the the mentality to get that weight down, the mentality to 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 do things right throughout camp. You know, he doesn't exactly look like a guy who physically has any problems. If you want to put it that way, I don't think he's out eating fucking breakfast rolls and, and burgers and chips by the looks of him. But like, and I I think it's a positivity with the mentality side of it as well because, like, the best thing. Look, you can get over a bad performance, right? But you can only get over a bad performance if you're mentally correct. And if you can, like, actually realize that you had a bad performance. Like, I hate to use the example, but Paddy Pimlet recently, like, he had a really bad performance against Jared Garden. And it feels like just he never mentally accepted he had a bad performance. That happens so many times. Like, the people don't... Minty, uh, it's I, just it's, haters. They're just haters. They're just haters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but like you, see, you see, the top guys in the world. The two examples I'm going to give are Dominic Cruz and Conor McGregor. Yeah. 
they're both guys that have lost and came out straight away afterwards and said look this is the reason I lost I didn't prepare properly in this way I didn't do this right he did this right and I'm gonna have to adjust or I didn't you know it's the front up to it immediately and it changings and mentality monsters you know to, to quote uh, Jurgen Klopp to realise exactly what you've done wrong and be able to change it and go in and Derek Kelly had that immediately after the fight and for a, a guy so young and a fighter so young in his career to have that that to me is a better sign than the bad performance is a bad sign if you want to put it that way and I was going to be very critical of that bad performance to be honest because you were sitting inside me Graham there's no height and I was like jeez that's not great that's not great but that mentality is it was almost a work to bad performance, and he got the win as well. So he, to you know, he won and learned <laughs> that one. So looking really, really, really looking forward to seeing Derek Kelly, new way class, and I, I'm expecting a, a big performance out of him. So it's a very, very interesting there. Um, yeah, if he does make the weight like successfully and without without problems, he's going to be really, really strong at 145. If he can get a hold of, of people. So yeah. yeah, if if this weight code works out, then you know 145 could be a brilliant weight class for him. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Um. Norbert Navini Jr. is returning as well. Um, he's taking on Man- uh, Mandy, Andy Manzolo. I think that's the second time I've done that in, in previous, already for this card. Um, oh, Mandy. You came and you get one grand without taking. And you sent me away, oh, Mandy. No, you're not singing, no? No? I think you've muted your mic. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I... I am a massive fan of Norbert Navini. Now, he's coming back from over well over a year out with uh, a torn ACL, I believe it was. Um, just a fantastic fighter. You know, his father, obviously, Norbert Navini as well, was, uh, I, I think he was an ex-wrestler, but he's over at London Shoot. His wrestling is insane. His striking is insane. You know, I was talking to Will Flurry a few weeks ago, and he kind of briefly mentioned the fight, but he was kind of saying I went in there against Norbert Davini and got absolutely fucking destroyed. And that was only in Norbert's third fight or something like that. And Will had an awful lot of fights before that. Now Will's gone out there and he's fighting in the PFL tournament against Amari Ekmadov. And fair, fair play to Will for getting that massive fight as well. But that just shows you, and I think Will would agree with me, the level that Norbert Navini was at and hopefully still is at. You never know such, after such a bad injury like that but I'm so excited to come uh, to see him coming back what do you think of the injury ground? I know you know a big Liverpool fan you've had a few lads recently Virgil van Dijk coming back after an ACL injury and not really being the same after it. it's it's tough to come back in and be 100% after an injury like that isn't it yeah it is like uh, I've injured my ACL uh, two surgeries on my ACL to repair it and even when they say it's like good to go it is hard to trust it you know, uh, 100% for for a while and it does feel strange and it can feel kind of loose. It can go kind of a little bit numb and it can be like a, what they call a baker cyst at the back and stuff. And you're, it's always in your head a little bit as well. Like even if, even if it is like safe to, to play the sport or to, to fight on it or whatever. So it could be, it could be a factor, but once you're in there and your, your trading blows, maybe that, you know, the adrenaline and all that goes out of your head and, uh, but it's definitely it's definitely could be a factor, you know. As you said, you know, in football these days, a lot of players come back a lot better uh, with the involvement of like you know uh, physios and the surgeries and all that treatment for for athletes and stuff is is much improved. But still, uh, these major injuries are with some guys they come back from the same as before. Some guys they come back a little bit less. Some guys they come back and they're never the same. So there always is that risk, but. You know, he's coming in here against a guy who is, you know, he's had, what, 35 fights. He's 26 and 9. But in his recent, looking at his recent record, his last win was over a guy who's 2 and 2 
his win before that was over a guy who's three and twenty six. His his win before that was nine nine and one guy, and then he lost to Charlie Ward. And before that, he fought a sixteen and twenty four guy. Before that, he lost to a five and six guy. You know, he's for some reason he's an experienced fighter with a decent record on paper. But if you look a bit deeper into it, he maybe has been padding that record a lot. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know. Norbert is back to to what we saw before, and I expect him to be. But there definitely is that small bit of doubt, obviously coming off a major injury. But uh, yeah, I think he he should have more than enough to get this done. Yeah, I think it's a good matchup for Norbert coming back. You know, it looks look it looks good on Norbert's record. He's fighting a guy with thirty five fights, and a lot of them wins, even though maybe yeah, until you click on his record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, do I at I, a I, glance, I, at a glance, <laughs> it'll it'll, it'll pass. You get, you get sure dog Markley because I'll be fine. I'll do that. Yeah. Um, Charlie Ward and Mike Shipman, then this is, you know, this is probably. Is it Why the, is this like buried on the card? This, this no could idea. even be the main event. It like, could be, yeah. <laughs> this is probably like, okay, after the top two fights and maybe even the top three fights, you know, Sinead and Janair ranked pretty hard as well. This is the most high level fight on this card. Like, this is a top, top fight. Both guys have been ranked recently. Both guys, maybe even still ranked, are they? And, you know, very, very good fighters like Mike Shipman. And, and look, Charlie as well in his last fight. It, it was probably only one, two fights away from a, from a title sh- a shot. So, you know, with a win here, both are back in that mix. They win one fight and they're back in it. Like, the, the divisions in, in Bellator are It wasn't the Shipman-Edwards so. decision, the one that... A lot of people yeah. disputed. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was. And I remember Gareth A was, was asking Mike Shipman about the decision and things like that. But it was a very close fight indeed, it was, yeah. And, like, dude, the Fabian and Charlie fight was a bit weird as well, like, where Fabian didn't exactly blow him away and Charlie was, like, roaring at yeah, him in the middle kind of, of the fight. Safe, and, uh, yeah, a bit in, in an unexpected way with implementing more grappling. But that kind of just shows the respect he had for, for Charlie Ward's game, you know. Yeah. Charlie Ward's been on a good streak, you know. Obviously, the UFC uh, didn't really go that well for him. It was a couple of, like, you know, the kind of way he kind of landed on his head unluckily it just didn't work out and maybe it was, maybe it was a bit too early or maybe on a, on another night it could have went differently but he put it together a streak and you know went in there against Fabian Edwards and obviously Fabian Edwards we've talked about him a lot in the the podcast for a lot of years even when he was an amateur and he's a, a really well-rounded guy and you know Charlie brought it to him and you know uh, it was a good performance, but he just, you know, was was, uh, you know, beaten beaten by the better guy on, on the night, and it's surprising that they've just kind of buried him on the card here. And for for both guys, you know, uh, uh, it's just kind of flying under the radar completely because it's not even on the main card. It's it's you know, it's just kind of thrown there, and maybe maybe you know, Bellator in the past have changed up their cards kind of last minute. The cards um, order. Uh, last minute and uh, maybe that will happen here and they get moved up onto the main card or something like that because that would make a lot more sense yeah it probably would but having said that as well like they love to have that Peter Queeley fight up in the top of the card they love the walkout being up there as well the top three uh, as I said you know they're probably immovable there and they like having Kieran even Clark the, the, as well the, what about the featured prelim as well then even like you that's know, what like, I was thinking yeah like but Carl Moore is there as well like he deserves that spot it's, you know, there not are, Kenny and Craig McIntosh yeah, it's hard it's hard to know. I look it up here when we go I know Bellator sent out a thing recently but yeah it's it is weird alright look the the move the placement of these Bellator cards is something that you look at it initially and it doesn't make sense but then you kind of look further into it like the um 
Kieran Clark fight is probably the one you'd say, okay, it's a good fight and all that, but maybe that can be moved down a bit. But Kieran Clark sells a lot of tickets, and they like to have his fight right up there. So I'm just looking at the card here now again. So the fact that his fight kind of fell apart and had to be rematched. That's as well. true as well. Yeah, that is true. Here's the order of the card from from Bellator. So you've Amosov Story, uh, Carvalho Kennedy, Queeley Logan actually is before Kevin uh, and Harding, and then Kieran Clark and Leonardo Sinis. Then at the top of that card, oh, so this is the top of the card, and this makes a bit more sense. Carl Moore against Magic Krasinski, Charlie Ward and Mike Shipman is next there, so that's, you know, fair oh, enough. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. discard what I said. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the, the Sakram fight, then the Novinia fight, then Brian Moore, Richie Smuller and Zielski, Kelly against Darval, Assel against McCracken, the Kalandu Bishop fight, Mokahana fight, Skatizi fight, Hill and Magomed Sharapov. So, yeah, I'd say there might be a little bit of a late arriving crowd there with those first two fights on this, but uh, look, we'll, we'll see how that goes, I suppose. But yeah, look, the, the, to get back to, I suppose, to the, the Charlie and Shipman fight before we move on from it this is really a fight I think like one guy will probably have the better of it in the striking and the other guy will probably go for a takedown I think because Charlie has Charlie's strike with you but if he wants to he will take you down I think Shipman is the type of guy as well he'll strike with you and if he wants to he'll take you down so I, uh, it, it, I think we could even see a back and forth of both if, if the fight be. goes long, which, yeah. which it could easily. It could be. It's an interesting one. Both have the power as well to knock the other guy out. I think it's a very even fight. If there, there's a couple of fights in this card where you're kind of like, I'll wait until the betting odds come out. They haven't come out yet to, to kind of give my pick. Because like, if someone, one of these lads is plus 300, I, I think you're probably going, well, if I'm betting on it, I'd probably bet on, on that guy. <clears throat> Where right now, if you were to give me a tenner, I don't know who I'd put it on. Like, it's it's, it's a very, very close fight. And, and I think, uh, you know, you could call it right down the middle of the hometown. We'll help Charlie as well. I'm sure he'll have a big crowd of, of fans in there. And the SBG crowd always get behind him. And you know, Charlie having been known as, you know, obviously a very close uh, friend of Connor down through the last decade, uh, the crowd will be bang up for Charlie as well. So a very, very, uh, very, very big fight there for, for both guys. The the undercard maybe non hyped fight of the the night I think is Richie Smullen against Peter Nijelski. This is a fucking fantastic fight. Nijelski, if people might remember the name, he's the guy who beat Pedro Carvalho. Um, just after Carvalho had that massive win and just before he had that massive win and then it was a close decision and everyone was giving out about the matchmaker, which I think was probably right. But anyway, that was Nijelski's last win. Very strong wrestler, good all-around fighter, 21 fights in and he's fighting Richie Smullen, who was you know in the UFC, in Bellator, got away from both of them, went out and he won titles uh, at two weight classes and has looked very, very good since his last Bellator fight in 2020. Like, and that Bellator fight in 2020, he beat Harry Hardwick, who's now probably the number one contender in cage warriors for the 145-pound belt. So it's not exactly as if, you know, he, he's, uh, he hasn't been beating or, or fighting good guys down through the years, because he absolutely has. Richie Smullen, yeah. No, he, Smullen, he hasn't yeah. backed down from a fight at oh, all. Like he's fought, even at amateur, he fought Paul Hughes, uh, beat him, beat Paul Hughes in a decision. Uh you know, when he turned pro, he went in there against uh, his third fight. He went in there against Reese McKee uh, at Bama at 30 and fought to a, a draw. You know, uh, Sean Tobin, you know, he might not be the biggest name, but like Irish MMA fans will know how tough a fight he is. Beat him by rear naked choke in the first round. You mentioned Harry Hardwick, you know, going in there against good guys all the time. And this is another big step up. And 
he's been, you know he got unfortunate. He was on the Ultimate Fighter, and there was a problem when he was weight cutting. His body kind of shut down on him, and he, you know, uh, it was a bit of a disaster for him. You know, you're, you're going over there to the Ultimate Fighter. You're expecting your kind of dreams to come true. You're going to be in the UFC, and something kind of out of your control happens, and you're you're fucking you know back to square one. Uh, and he's rebuilt uh, brilliantly. You know, uh, went in there and beat Harry Hardwick and Bellator, and you know. You'd probably expect him to get more Bellator fights, get a decent Bellator contract, but no, he has to go out and he has to, he has to fight, a, you know, abroad and picks up some two good wins, good finishes, uh, three, sorry, good wins, good finishes, and he's back in Bellator against a really good guy, as you mentioned, and, you know, Richie Small has been really flying under the radar, but this could be the night where he really announces himself. It really could be. It really, really could be, because, you know, he had that Albert Diaz split decision loss. It was, you know... It, it was it was a good fight, but maybe the results maybe dampened it a little bit. The Harry Hardwick fight, it was a good fight, but it was in twenty twenty, and it was at a weird time. And then he was out about it. You know, it was this is the run for him, I think. And if he can go in there and he can beat Nijelski, I, I I don't I actually do you know what I don't know if people will still appreciate it, but we'll fucking appreciate it. I think a lot of people in the know will absolutely appreciate it if he gets to win here, and it's a massive fight because this. You know, I don't think people realise how fucking tough of a fight this is. For, now, for both guys, it's a tough fight for Nijelski and it's a tough fight for Richie Smullen as well. But what if I... I, I we we criticised it at the start, you know, some of the matchmaking and stuff here. And, you know, may, maybe it's a little bit tough of a matchmaking for Richie Smullen coming back in. But, yeah, no, I'm, Richie's not one of those guys, as we just said, that takes fucking easy fights. And this is a, not an easy one. But what a fight. This is going to be an absolute battle uh, if this hits the ground i think the 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 you know the, the one i think thing here for nigelski is right you take richie smullen down it's not going to be as simple as like taking him down holding him down because one he's really good jujitsu and two he has unbelievable fucking work ethic and cardio like talking was it i think it was extremely strong as well very strong i was talking i think it was will flory was saying like richie smullen they almost have to hold him back <laughs> he trains so much nearly too much he'd run time. himself into a wall if you let him yeah <laughs> yeah you've experienced that as well have you i'd say watching him in the gym have you well you just hear about about him you know uh, he's one of those guys that i think peter creedy will come on to as another guy who'll just push himself you know push himself and maybe sometimes you know uh i'm not sure about particularly for their camps but in camps where you do push yourself too hard you can kind of burn out and before the fight and go in there kind of uh, you know having already peaked uh before in the in the camp and that's that, that's not what you want so you know you do have to pull back the reins on on, on it a little bit but you know, Richie Smullen definitely puts in the work. He just doesn't shy away from it in any in any way. He's always he's always there training, and he's always you know, this this is you know guys like him. This is their life, and this is everything to them. And as you said earlier about somebody else, he's not sitting around eating eating junk food or anything like that. He, you know, he's he's not even eating his own chicken fingers. Uh, that he said Richie's chicken fingers uh, business that he has. Uh, How far you know, is that away from the three arena? Because like I would mind trying. I think it's a. I think it's a portable. It's like a. It moves around. I think. Oh, it? bring it out to the I, fucking three arena there. So. Park it in front of the Gibson. I'll get someone. You there. probably have to pay a shitload to park it there. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe but don't, it's Dublin. Everyone get it up there and have it ready to go. <laughs> yeah, have a few lads doing keeping sketch. <laughs> I don't need your fucking of, of, Pay a couple of young, young Dublin kids to. To do look out for you. Yeah, a couple of, get a couple of young lads from the gym there up and they'll, they'll fucking look out. If there's any guards coming to have a word with them, like so drive away, it'd be fine. But yeah. I wanna bring me in a few of them, Graham. Sure in Dublin, you can bring, you can just drive around and bring me out a, a few. I've actually them. never had them, but like uh, on our town Lobov's story for about fucking a hundred days in a row he was there eating them, so 
Uh, Artem fighting heavyweight now. <laughs> Unrelated Artem right now. But yeah, no, I must try them. Jesus, they, they look nice. I know. Have you been to the Black Forge Inn as well? Is it nice? The food nice there and stuff? Oh, yeah, it actually is. It actually is really nice. And uh, there's really nice cocktails as well. My wife really Ooh. likes one of the one of the cocktails there. I think she said it was her favorite cocktail. So uh, we're going to have to go back and get it. And when uh, my cousin had to stout there and he liked that as well. I'm not a stout guy. I don't like Guinness or I can maybe have one, but then I feel kind of really full and I can't really drink it as much as I I can't really drink like the way I'd like to then afterwards. I don't know. It just doesn't agree, agree with me. But uh, yeah, no, it's really nice. And I had a steak on a stone when I was there. Lo- lovely, really good. Tasty, tasty. I must try it out. I must try it out. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll move on. Uh, we've Danny Aliskitezi then against uh, Dimitri Hitsunko. Um, Andy did an interview. I was I had Ian in my mind like no wait it's not Ian it's Andy. He did an interview with with uh, Danielli and be uh, very interesting to see his fight. You know he had a great win last time out against Stavi Galon um, after losing to Vladimir Tokov, but he had two wins in a row before that. He's another guy. You know the the level of matchmaking he's got has been very tough. Like fought Alfie Davis, fought Charlie Leary, fought fucking. Um, uh, Marvin Vittori in his seventh fight, you know, back in back in what year was it? Just 2015. So he's had some very very tough matchups, and he's a good record. You know, he's beaten some good guys as well. But Gavin High, uh, Brian High, sorry about Gavin Hughes and and a few others as well. But the David Galan one was probably the best win, and if he gets another win here as well, he'll be uh, he'll be stepping up and going forward. So a big win for and uh, could be a big win for another SBG guy there. But let's talk about Brian Moore, Luca, uh, Ivan. Brian Moore was uh, was supposed to fight um, against the you know the what, what's his name Leon I, I I was I just wrote a story about him yesterday I can't remember his name Ego Ego Leandro Ego yes um, it, it he, before you go on it's like we say the same thing about Brian Moore before his before every his fight. fight all the time it's every like, what's going on here like? I don't know it's weird so he agreed to fight Ego Ego agreed to fight him. Scott Coker was asked about it and he said yes and then the fight didn't happen it just felt like the most bizarre happening ever I think James Gallagher's well, if, 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 if it wasn't Brian Moore it'd be bizarre but because it's Brian Moore it's yeah. just the normal, I, the normal I don't know and I, it's weird because like Brian, uh, we talked a minute ago about Kieran Clark and we talk about him again he has a big following from Drahada that he brings down Brian Moore is a fucking massive following from Wexford that he brings up boss loads of people he was talking to Andy the other day and that's not like oh yeah there's loads of people I've bust loads of people when you hear Brian Moore walking out that's not the reaction of just oh it's the next SPG guy it's you know the next Irish guy with an Irish flag with a good song coming out that's the reaction of a load of people from Wexford who fucking know Brian Moore, basically. This is, you know, it's, it's like Croke Park or, or, or wherever it might be supporting their county. It's a different, you, you can just notice it, like, can't you? you, you it's a yeah, Maybe people in, like, America wouldn't understand, or maybe people who are in really small towns in America wouldn't understand, but people from, like, the big cities wouldn't understand how kind of, you know, a small community in, in where somewhere like Brian Moore and a lot of these guys are from, uh, you know, the local kind of celebrities will be kind of known by everybody. And, like, if you're professional athlete or whatever you'd be you'd be like really well known and really well supported like people really get behind their own in, in these small small communities and you know uh as you said they, they get the bus up they pay the, the tickets even if they're not interested in mma they just go there to support their guy 
That dog is at it again. I have three dogs inside here and they don't cause Matt is your one. Oh, he's such a loud mouth. Any kind of noise outside <laughs> and he's like, yeah, what's happening? What's happening? Let's yeah, go. My, my three are the same as well. I just have to close the curtains and once I can't see it, that's it. Like, there's there's, there's no movement of it all. But, I, you know, I like the little bit of dog in the background. Like, I, my three are in here because I'm at home alone the, tonight so I can't leave them inside. So they, they, there could be noises coming from them as well. So I won't, I won't give out too much. But anyway, back to Brian Moore. Yeah, it's it's true, and it's weird because they. It seems like they do understand it with Kieran Clark, and that's why he's getting the placement. Like Kieran's, you know, still an up and comer. Like so, it's it's not as if they need to put him there. There's a few other lads who are up and comers and very good fighters like him as well who could as easily be chosen for that spot. But Brian Moore is a guy who's he's not an up and comer. Brian Moore is in the prime of his career, and now is the time to capitalize on what Brian Moore has been becoming for the last few years. And it just feels like like he's got a couple of good fights, but it, and he's done well in them, and it's it's, it's weird like that he just doesn't continue to get him. Like you, do, you just can't catch a break. No, like, he can't. It, it, he can't. It's just ridiculous at this age. Like you know, he's lost close decisions. He's he's been offered fights, and fights haven't happened. Like fights that he would want, fights that would put him in a good position, they haven't happened. He's been put on you know American cards when you know maybe he should, the placement was was a bit random. You know, it's just, it's just, he missed out on the kind of wave of, of Irish MMA years ago uh, as well. Like, you know, he's just, he's just kind of been, he hasn't been in the right place at the right time. And, you know, the promoter, obviously, in Bellator, haven't really handled him the way that, like, you know, I think a lot of people would agree that he that he should have been handled in terms of matchmaking and card placements and things like that, and it, it just continues on. And it's just you know at this stage, it's not even unexpected. It's just these. It it, it just seems like they just don't really have that much interest in Brian Moore for some reason. I I honestly think that Brian Moore would. Brian Moore going to the UFC right now would be perfect for everyone. Like, I think the UFC would love to have a fighter. If like he was Brian on Moore. tough, like he, uh, if yeah. he, that would actually really probably suit Brian Moore. But yeah, obviously, but obviously, it's, it's hard to be away from his family, and he's you know a big family man and stuff like that. But you know, I think uh, is it only a month or is it six weeks? Whatever, uh, it's not that long. Yeah, but and, even in like, you know, I think you know, it's not going to happen now. But obviously, it's, oh. it's definitely not going to happen. But you know, uh, things just haven't really worked out for Brian Moore to no fault of his own and not because of his fighting which is which is unfortunate but you can say that about a lot of guys you know we've got an interview coming out soon with uh, Ian O'Neill interviewing Franz Malambo and you know he's going to tell everybody where he's been and how like you know how um, in MMA time can just kind of you know you can just be in the the wrong place at the right at the wrong time and things like that and it doesn't work out and for Brian Moore it just seems yeah, as, I, as I keep saying it just seems to be never ending with the kind of um, promotional malpractice, as a uh, Luke Thomas would say, yeah. uh, have been have been doing him. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I love, I'd love to see Brian Moore win his next two fights. And let's say if he's two fights left in his contract, I think actually, if I'm not mistaken, he hit a new contract recently. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. But let's say two fights left in his contract, win the two of them, and then go to UFC. Like, I think Brian Moore at this stage of his life, you know, he's a good business and he's, he. Uh, I remember he's always saying, I'm just fighting out to be the best fighter in the world. I don't care about money or anything like that. Like, I'm sure Brian Moore would be happy to go in there and fight on the, the, the introductory contract to the UFC if he could earn, earn that money along with his business and, and have a run at it. And I think, like, 
I really think I don't know. It just feels like it'd be a better fit than him and Bellator because it they feels like Bellator have something and they don't realize what they have with Brian Moore, and uh, that's that's a pity. But anyway, back to to this. You fight. know, it will be hard enough yeah. to piss off Brian Moore, but in that interview we did uh, that you mentioned with Andy, you can kind of see a slightly different or hear a slightly different tone. He does seem to be a bit like, come on, like, like you know, he's been a really nice guy and he's kind of, you know, not really called out people and things like that. But I think maybe he's he's getting a bit pissed off with the situation and, you know, thinks he deserves a bigger fight. And, you know, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah, definitely. And like, I'm looking at the, the Bellator media day availability and he is there, to be fair. He's bottom of the list, so I didn't. I almost didn't see it. It's on the next page. I was ready to give out to him, but he is there and he has been made available. So, you know, maybe we're being a bit unfair in Bellator, but the, the matchmaking is just, come on. Brian Moore is, is is one of those special guys who, okay, he might maybe Brian Moore isn't going to fight for a championship in the next two or three fights. He'd have to take something big. He'd have to take a good few wins. But, like, he's a fan favorite. You can hear that. Anyone's been at any of the fights, you can hear the reception Brian Moore gets and it feels like yeah, Brian but Moore the thing is be... Bellator know how good he is like yeah. he went in there against McKee like he, their main you know prospect their big guy it was and brilliant against Lugo as well he, he looked great and yeah and Lugo and you know yeah it's just fucking frustrating very frustrating very frustrating and like Queely they capitalised on that you know and they went for it with Queely when he gave him any morsel of all but all and yeah with more they haven't so I don't know but this fight look it's an interesting one um, in terms of it, it should be it should be a fun fight you know it should be fun like Luke Ovin will come out and he will throw big hands he's a powerful guy you know he can wrestle if he needs to wrestle I think the, the big difference between these two guys is the technique and speed of Brian Moore is just way over and above that of Luca. Now, have it said that, and I'm sure Brian or anyone will tell you this: if he lands a big shot, that won't matter, you know. And if, but the technique and speed will help him not be, you know, take that big shot. If you're looking at it from Brian Moore's side, so that's what he needs to avoid. He needs to avoid that big take and needs to avoid that big shot. And I think he should, you know, he should really be boxing him up here. I think Brian's his technical ability is just. Brilliant, like he, Brian Moore. Is, I, I know I said it before, and maybe people will say, "Oh, you're showing your bias to an Irish guy," but I think Brian Moore is one of the best. One, definitely one of the best 135 pound, pounders in Bellator, and I put him up there, like in the top 20, 25, maybe in the world. I think he's that good, like, and I, I think even though he's been around for a good while, I think he's still improving all the time, and he could even get better and better over the next few years, but it'll only be in the next few years because he has been fighting for such a long time and as you said he's been around when the, the wave was coming up and he's you know he's no spring chicken now at, at this stage at 35 years of age for a band yeah, so, fighting for 12 years yeah, yeah the next two years are massive for Brian Moore and come on Belfort fucking capitalise him especially if he wins here let's move him forward and let's get him into a big fight or let him go to the fucking UFC or otherwise but anyway we'll move on Karen Moore and Rodzanski um Look, when Karen Moore beat Carl Brexton, I think we were all kind of saying, okay, it's it's moving time here now. He beat the number seven guy in the world. I was looking at Anglixkis, who was number six, thinking that's the perfect matchmaking here. You get him in there, beats him, and he's in for the title shot. Whereas John Kavanagh, when I spoke to him last week, he was kind of saying, look, Carl had to kind of prove himself by beating Al Brexton. But Carl is still kind of coming back and he's on his road to improving to become one of the best fighters in the world. He needs a couple of fights and then let's put him back in that mix and then he can prove his championship order. He's proved his title worthy, which, do you know, it makes sense, I suppose, and it's a long-term goal than a short-term goal. But having said that, he's meeting a guy here 
who's fucking very good. Very, very, very good. Like, Rosansky's win over Will Flory. I managed to catch a couple of his fights um, uh, in, in the lead-up to this. I don't think Carol Moore has probably ever faced a guy, definitely not a light heavyweight anyway, who is as big and as strong as him, but fucking Rosinski looks it. Now, it'll be interesting to see him at the weigh-ins, who actually is bigger or stronger, but God almighty, he looks an absolute fucking tank, and he's fast as well, like Carl. They're two, they're very, very, very similar fighters, I think. I think Rosinski probably a little bit more wrestle-heavy, Carl is probably a little bit better jiu-jitsu maybe, and they both hit very, very hard. God, this is a this is a brilliant fight. To be fair, I know it's not. Maybe it doesn't make the most sense in terms of the rankings and all of that. But as a fight, it's it's very very good as well. It's a massive fight for Carl, isn't it? I know Graham, you gave him stick the last time. You said he was going to get knocked out in five seconds and all the last time. So are you are you changing your tune coming into this? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just said it was an uphill uphill task. It was a big it was a big ask to. Uh, you know, come in against, you know, such a high-level guy after so long out and injuries and things like that. But, you know, I've been watching Carl for a long time, uh, you know, watching him fight in cage contender back in the day and things like that. And, you know, uh, I, I definitely know what he can do. I've seen him, you know, win cage warriors belt, fight for two belts. You know, it obviously didn't it didn't work out. He was on the verge of the UFC. He's, he's had some ups and downs along the way, but, you know, uh he so his losses, you know, you look at them, it was the the, the step up to heavyweight and cage warriors and Paul Craig and we all know every, we all know about Paul Craig and they were both undefeated, uh five and oh and six and oh at the time and Carl Moore was actually winning that fight up until uh, you know, kind of story of Paul Craig's career, I'm suppose I suppose he was losing up until he up until he won. Uh but you know, he's got a really good record. He's beaten Lee Chadwick. I know I know his opponent has too in, in a recent fight, but Lee Chadwick's a good win. And Carl Moore obviously, you know, proved that he's still got he's still got it and that, you know, this time off he's improved. And, you know, uh, if you look at if you look at his opponent's record here, he has got some good wins as well. Like that you know, he beat Will Flurry two and a half years ago. That Will Flurry isn't isn't the same Will Flurry as as now. Like, you know, Will Flurry's really kinda been able to put it all together and really kinda believe in himself and um, let let his game go in there, and he's definitely become an improved fighter since then. But it's still a very, very good win. Um, you know, he's on a four fight win streak here. It's it's you know, as you said, John is saying he's kind of taking the slow roll to build himself back up for so long out. But this isn't, in my opinion, really a slow roll. This is just a, an unranked guy who, you know, probably should be ranked or would be ranked if he'd fought more fights in Bellator, not just the one fight that he has in Bellator. So. Yeah, I think this is a this is a tough opponent. Uh, Carl Moore, obviously, you know, uh, Will Flurry said it to us. He's, uh, I said, I said in the stream that uh, I hadn't heard people talking a lot about all the improvements Carl Moore made, and Will Flurry typed in the in the chat uh, that uh, oh that Carl had made uh, big improvements, and we acknowledged that on the, on the live stream. I think uh, Carl might have uh, missed that part of the stream but uh, <laughs> no but, uh, no you were like shitting on him the whole time yeah I said he was going to get knocked out he was going to get hit by a gust of wind and do the chicken dance uh, you, better, you better clarify that's a joke legend. there um, <laughs> but yeah this is a you know this is a tough opponent if you're going to try and take the slow road like but uh, yeah I do expect Carl to go in there and get it done he's been in there against some really good guys but uh, yeah if John Cavan is talking about taking the slow road maybe Maybe he is sees it, something in in this fight that I don't see, I, I, but I, I think, think this is a this is a tough opponent, and this yeah, is a, yeah. if if Carl gets a win here, which I I I'd lean towards him doing, uh, it would be a really big win in my opinion, and definitely not a kind of 
build up for it. Yeah, me, what I said there about the slow road, that wasn't fair. And maybe what John said, people go and listen to this better. He explained it over two or three minutes. But, you know, maybe like the, the building towards the top, maybe, you know, I, I explained it badly, but go and listen to what he said about it. But I, I agree, though, in terms of like, I think Rosansky is actually a better fighter than Glixkis, who's, I'm not sure where he's ranked now, but it was ranked number five or six at the time. Um, so, like, it's not as if Carl Moore is getting a knockdown an opponent or anything. In fact, I think he's getting a better opponent than a lot of the ranked guys, which happens sometimes in Bellator. Like, look at um, when uh, Mansoor Banois came in. Like, oh, people think, oh, this guy's unranked, but he's fucking better. He's probably the, the second, if not the best guy in, in Bellator. I like it, and that can happen sometimes. I think Rosansky, you know, win or lose here, I think he'll be in the top 10, top 15 in, in Bellator in the next year. So, be very interesting. Yeah, you know, if, if, if you look at his last four fights, if he had a fought and beat Will Flurry, uh, Zakowskis, uh, Sternak and Chadwick in four fights in Bellator yeah. he'd probably be ranked in the top 10 oh, but yeah. because he's not done in Bellator he's not ranked in the top, in the top 15 100%, or 100%. Uh, let's talk about Kenny uh, Mokahana against uh, Craig McIntosh last fight here on the, on the undercard obviously we're going on him in, in a bit of a, a different row here but um, you look McIntosh 3 and 4 now in his career Kenny still only 4 fights into his career so you know the matchmaking I, I suppose it, it does make sense Um this is going to be his first fight uh, in Bellator. He's done, you know, he's been around for a good while. He fought Chris Bungard back in 2016, made his debut back in 2014. Hasn't obviously fought that often, so but has been fighting as an amateur since 2010. Still, like, uh, what, what is he? He's still uh, only, I think he's in his early 30s or something like that. I'm not sure exactly, but. Uh, a guy who's been doing a lot of grappling, been doing a uh, you know a lot of stuff over the last few years, maybe apart from taking MMA fights. And look, it's you'd expect Kenny to go in here uh, and win this fight. You know, you talked about uh, Franz Malambo there a few minutes ago. Franz, obviously Kenny's brother, and they've been training together, and they're they're as thick as thieves. It feels like when they, they go to these cards and stuff. And Kenny, great character, turning up late to the wind <laughs> the last time, and barely making right on time, wasn't that? Right on time, right perfectly on time. timed. He's some, you know, he's four fights in his career already. He beat Alex Bodner, who's a good, you know, prospect coming through. He beat Adam Shelley, who's a good fighter. He's fighting Dean Barry coming up here now too. And you talk about amateurs as well, Graham. Look at yeah. all the amateur fights that uh, that Kenny Mukahana has had, like fighting Leon Hill, beating Leon Hill. He fought against John Mitchell uh, a couple of times. He fought John Byrne, Ryan O'Connor, who's a very good amateur. Adam Novak, who's a very good amateur. And many, many more as well. Made his amateur debut back in 2015. Fought as an amateur for Five years so very very you know Kenny's four fights but like how many fights does he actually have 24 fights or something like that or 20 yeah something like that um big fight for Kenny here as well isn't it get go you know to take herself to four no is one thing take herself to five and no is another thing get your second win uh, in Bellator interesting time big time for for the whole family as well with friends uh signing on to fight over in uh over in uh PFL Graham yeah, it's great. You know, uh, it's great for for France, as you mentioned. But uh, Kenny, uh, you know, he made his Bellator debut. He he looked like he belonged there. He went out there. He got the guillotine choke in the first round. Pretty much flawless performance. You know, he's coming in here against a, a, a guy that he's probably looking to do a similar thing against. Uh, he'll probably be looking out there to put the pressure on him early and try and take him out early and. You know, I expect him that that'll probably be the the case here. But if it does go long, we've seen him go long before, as you mentioned. Uh, as an amateur, you know, people like John Mitchell, he's gone long against. He's finished Leon Hill with a submission. He's 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 fought John Mitchell to decision twice. You know, John Byrne, another really good guy uh, who's a lot of fights at amateur. So, 
you know, um, sometimes when these guys are making their their uh, pro debuts or or their sorry their uh, big promotion debuts or they're early in their their uh, professional career and they have a lot of uh, quick finishes on their on their record, you, you kind of have a lot of questions about whether they can go along or you know can they face adversity and stuff like that. But we've seen them do that before. We've seen them mold themselves at amateur, take his time at amateur to get a lot of experience in there and. It looks like he's turned pro at the perfect time. He's he's managed to say uh, relatively injury free. It seems he's fighting regularly and fighting regularly, staying in shape, staying on weight, and all that stuff. That all helps the confidence of being an undefeated fighter. You know, uh, is definitely another thing as well. So yeah, everything's going swimmingly for for uh, the the Malambo brothers at the moment, and uh, uh, yeah, I expect it to continue here. Indeed. We're not calling them Malambo brothers. The Malambo yeah, sorry. The second brothers. I said that, I was like, uh, what do yeah. I call them? <laughs> I don't know. The Kenny and Friends. The, it feels like they'd, they'd make for a good like buddy cop movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, a reality TV show. Do you know, Dublin people always use this phrase. I was bouncing around. Do you know that phrase? The two lads literally bounced into the fucking wind. <laughs> so last time when I was there, I was like, that, okay, that's what they mean now about uh, bouncing after around. After speeding down the bus lanes because of the Dublin traffic. Fucking <laughs> yeah. Dublin traffic. Uh, I don't know how they didn't see that coming living in Dublin, always expected Dublin traffic. Oh, that's the worst. I remember one time, it was actually it was a Bellator media day, and it was on in uh, what's St Stephen's Green? Is that what it's called? The shopping centre in the middle? <laughs> yeah. Is it near? Wasn't it TGF Fridays? Is there? And there's that love there. But anyway, we parked there and we drove from there to the Gibson, which is what like uh, two miles, maybe three miles, not even that much. And it took us like two hours to drive there and I'm like what the fuck <laughs> is going on it did it was, no it was ridiculous it was lit it was fucking ridiculous fucking Dublin I hate it I'm not I'm parking up on Thursday morning if you morning. take a wrong turn in Dublin and you get stuck in this loop of like no right turn no yeah. left turn you're just driving around in a massive circle and it's, like, it's the worst ridiculous. place on earth I'm going in parking on the underground of the Gibson Hotel on Thursday morning I'm leaving on Sunday morning, the exact same car parking space, not going further than the fucking tree arena. I'll go to Camille, I'll go to Ruby's, I might go to that bar behind it to watch the, the, the Man United Barcelona match. I'm not going any further than that. That's that's Dublin to me. That area there. I will like a kill there, Graham. Is there any chance? <laughs> you know, with your with your bad mouth you Dublin, if, if, if the wrong person hears it, you might get a fucking you might get shot up or you might get a <laughs> You might you might catch a few rights and a few lefts. <laughs> catch a few digs inside there. Ah, it's lovely. Sure, yeah, if somebody was bad men in Limerick as much as you are, you know, you wouldn't want to be hanging around the city. Dublin deserves it though. <laughs> Dublin deserves it. Anyway, let's move on. We're nearly an hour in already. We haven't even got to the main You've car. given out your locations and everything. You're like, where, where exactly you're going to be. <laughs> Name the places and everything. So, any angry uh, punters, <laughs> you know where he's going to be. <laughs> I give out the fucking haircut next. <laughs> Here, I'll send you my live location. Uh, I got to be at the winds on Friday morning. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Kieran Clark and uh, Leonardo Sinitz. Uh I talked to Kieran uh, what maybe 10, 10 days ago, two weeks ago, and I was talking about Jesus Kieran, it must be great to have an opponent named and you won't have a late change or anything like that. Touch wood, you know, and asked him that question. And then what happens about three days after, or maybe a little bit more. How, na- how naive. How, na- how naive. Have you, not been, have you not been watching him for the last few minutes? Like? Have you not been paying attention? But yes, Keir Harvey falls out and he fights against Leonardo Sinise. Um, 
you know what? I, I, I went and looked for a bit of cities. I couldn't find much. And maybe I'll have a, a deeper look. I didn't really have as much time in the last couple of days. But look, a big change again for Kieran Clark. Interviewing him, I, I've, I've interviewed him a little bit before at media days and stuff, but never sat down for a half an hour talking to him. And God almighty... He's just a lovely fella. Like you just, he just comes across as a normal lad who you know has had yeah, salt of the earth, salt of the earth type of lad. You know, t- had a tough life. You know, single mother and stuff, and you know, really no bullshit, no bullshit about him. Like that came up. You know, trying to protect his brother and his brother trying to protect him, I suppose, as well. You know, learned how to fight to do that to protect himself and his family and all. And the way he spoke yeah, about it, was just never dodge fights, yeah. always take the hard fights. You know, going in there against eight and one guys in your third fight and things like that. Like, you know, uh, Gene and Doy, like, you know, that's a tough fight to be taken uh, in your third fight. And, you know, he's just a, he's, as you mentioned, when you interview him, he, you know, he's no bullshit. He's, he's going to tell you what he thinks. And, you know, he's just, singularly focused on you know making making this career as much as he can and putting everything he can into it uh and that's the attitude you got to have in this game there's a lot of guys chasing a dream and you got to make it happen for yourself and you know he is making it happen he's he's a fucking nightmare to fight against like a nightmare matchup for a lot of people and you know uh i don't know much about this guy coming in on short notice but for Kieran Clark, even though it's a change in opponent at the last minute, his game plan probably doesn't change. He's going to go in and do what he does, and you know it's it's very hard to stop. A hundred percent. Like as well, I'm sure he won't want it to be like the last few fights, you know, where he goes in there, he gets clipped, and has to fight his way back. But to be able to have proven that to yourself that that's something you can do is a massive thing in your career, because like it almost gives you the freedom to go out there and put out your game and I spoke to him about this as well like uh, to, to kind of be free out there look if it does go badly I hope it doesn't but if it does I know I have the fucking intestinal fortitude to get through it and to you know to, for to survive it I suppose and it almost gives you that freedom to, to go out and throw your own shots and land your own shots and for Kieran he hasn't really been able to show that in the last few fights because the start of the fights have gone badly but he's spoken about wanting to show he's striking and all, he's all around game and not just maybe his heart or his ability to come through the fire beat him with his cardio and his ability and his heart and grit and all that and show his skill as well and um that's I think that's what he will be expected and wanting here. You know, I think a three or four minute win would, would be something he'd like here, you know, rather than fifteen minutes of grit. But that's not always possible. That's not always possible. It'll be interesting to see how it works out. Again, the big crowd coming down from Drahad as well. Be massive for uh, for Kieran Clark and massive for Bellator as well. And if he goes to seven and all, Bellator have been wanting to push him and I think they'll be pushing him even further after that. So big 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 fight for you know, Kieran so, Clark. Sometimes it's a little bit like worrying when guys are I want to show this I want to show this and you know if you're if you're you know take Irish examples if you're uh, like James James Gallagher was a good example people were saying like we were saying at the time you know he's he should be trying to fight more like more like Gunnar Nelson than trying to fight like Connor um, because that's his strength and you know Kieran Clark's gone in there and tried to strike with people and maybe got himself in a little bit of trouble as a pro you know he's obviously had an extensive um, amateur career he's, he's he's had wins and losses he's had close decisions he's he's gone the distance and stuff like that like he's been in adversity he's he's overcome and stuff like that and then he's proven to himself as you mentioned that he can do it against pros he can do it you know in front of the big crowd the big moments and stuff like that but yeah I, I hope he just takes what's there best for his game for his game and rather than going out there and trying to prove something uh, prove a certain aspect of the game like striking I hope he just you know you can take the guy down grind on him beat him up and then you know 
show your striking when he's worn down uh, like uh, probably a safer way to do it so yeah I expect Kieran to go and win in it and win here but I don't like when guys are generally I don't like when guys are talking oh, I want to go out and show this I want to go out and show this certain aspect of their game that maybe people haven't seen before but you know hopefully you know you'll probably be nothing to worry about here but you know that does put a little bit in my mind of I hope I hope he doesn't go out there trying to you know, go for the knockout and you know, get himself in a little bit of trouble that he doesn't have to get himself into. Yeah, and maybe I overstated that as well. Like, he did mention it once in a post-fight and uh, or, or in a pre-fight maybe, but, like, I, I think that's the thing that everyone kind of maybe thinks or says, that, like, hopefully it goes well and I can showcase this, but, yeah. yeah and, and, proving and, to the fans and all, like, just go out there and win and your record will, your yeah. wins will speak for themselves and you can, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think... Uh, I think Peter Quigley is the type of guy who has gotten to that mindset as well over uh, over the last while in, in terms of just trying to go out and win. And it, it really paid off for him with his career, but with his career in Bellator as well. You know, there was the talks of going to the UFC. And I remember when I interviewed him, asked him about that and kind of saying, Jesus, was this the biggest blessing in disguise you've ever had? And he was like, oh, I never really thought of it that way, but I suppose it was. Like, like if he was in the UFC, you know, he probably would have would have had a few fights got on well maybe you know maybe had got a few more fights and you know or maybe ended up you know like someone like Reese McKee got a couple of fights and got caught or something like that and it would have been hard to find a way back yet he goes to Bellator you know he fights and beats Patricky then he fights Patricky for the title then he's fighting fucking Benson Henderson like it'd be very hard to think he'd have three fights as big as that in the UFC if he'd gotten there plus he has this massive Irish crowd, crowd behind him he has the song he has the walkout like Peter Queeley's turned into a special fighter for Ireland and I think like I'm delighted he's built that a really happened. nice brand for himself you yeah. know he's done really well for himself and he's been in some exciting fights and you know obviously the Patricky uh, you know back to back fights with Patricky is, are huge fights and you follow that up with the Benson Henderson one and it obviously didn't go well and maybe wasn't the most exciting fight but you know that was a huge fight in Irish MMA history and you know, Benson Henderson's an absolute legend, a former UFC champion. And like, if we think back to, you know, like, not that long ago, only a handful of years ago, you know, going in there against a UFC champion who's not like, you know, who's still at a at, at a really high level and in a huge event in Dublin, that would be something that Peter Creedy, you know, probably would have been beyond his wildest dreams. So, yeah, I think he can definitely be, you know, happy with th- how things have worked out, even if you know a couple of a couple of losses and things like that he, he'd obviously want to take back but as a whole I think it, you know it's worked out brilliantly for Peter really obviously the the walkout tune as you mentioned really gets the crowd going people people love it like you know people are waiting for that song and while they're at the event you know they're waiting for Peter Creeley's walkout it's a big part of the event and if it, if Peter Creeley wasn't fighting on the card you know that that walkout and that energy that Peter Creeley a Peter Creeley fight brings wouldn't be the same a hundred and then you have to look at the next step because this is the next step because he'll still have the walk on he'll still have all of that but he doesn't have like the questions come into the last fight or like what's it like to fight Benson Henderson what's it like to fight a you know former UFC champion a legend the guy you probably looked up to on the way up before that what's it like to fight for the title you're fighting in a rematch this is a massive fight and here it's like you know how much do you know about the guy you're fighting kind of job one, one of them and 
for both of these guys, because Bryce Logan as well, um, he's 12-7 and seven in his career, but he's coming off of um, three losses in his last three in Bellator. And this is a big mental challenge for him as well, because if he loses this, he could very well be cut, for, going on four in any promotion. We know what that means. We all know what that he means. He went to a split decision with Georgie Carcani, and that was Still, so, you know, he can definitely fight. He, oh, he can't, I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying if it's four losses in a row, you know what happens in. Where, and you look at Queely then, he's lost the two big ones. Like, he's lost the two biggest fights of his career in his last two fights fights for a guy right who's been around for a long time who's 37 years of age there's there's two ways that go or goes right it this is either the last embers of your career or you go in there you fight a guy like Benson Henderson and you think Benson Henderson looks like just a better version of Peter Queeley in almost every area having watched that fight and look analyzing it coming in and afterwards as well some people have that and they realise that and they kind of fall away. Some people have that, they see it and they realise, right, these are the improvements I have to make and the extra work. Now, Peter Queeley, how much extra work can he put in? As you just said, he's a Trojan worker. But he also doesn't seem like the type of guy who has the mindset to give up or anything like that. So I think mindset will be a big factor in this fight. And look, I don't know too much about Bryce Logan's mindset, but I feel like I know a bit about Peter Queeley's mindset. And I think that will be positive and good. But that's a big key here. And Like, I'll probably ask him a about it at the media there but it's probably after the fight that we'll know more about that you know a fighter doesn't admit that sort of thing before the fights I say but coming off of those two massive fights and now fighting you know Bryce Logan who's I've watched a bit of him he's a good fighter and all of that but it's not Vincent Henderson it's not Patricky Pitbull you know it's not even you know Ryan Scope was a big fight but he was supposed to fight Bryn Primus in between there even the Miles Price fight was a massive fight this, this is this is the fight in Bellator that it's probably you know the, the lowest ebb coming into in terms of the name in terms of all the matchup and all of that and that, that's a big mental hurdle to overcome just to be able to perform like that at this stage of your career after having those massive fights before it so it's it's big for Queeley what, what, what do you think of that like in terms of yeah it's something it's something I didn't even think about but yeah it definitely it definitely is and it definitely makes sense and you know coming in against Bryce Logan this is a, a huge chance for Bryce Logan. I'm sure he's thinking of it like that. And for for Queeley, he's kind of expected to go in there and look good and win. And you know, to step down as you mentioned from you know the, from Pitbull and Henderson fights, can, can he get the like? It's only natural. He's only human. Can he get the same level of excitement going? Like um, as as you said, like he's definitely as we both mentioned, he's definitely you know a ridiculously hard worker. But mentality in terms of you know coming from three of the biggest fights in your in your over your life or even the fight before that against uh, Ryan Scope you know it was a huge fight for him kind of building towards getting in the in the title picture and now you're kind of you have to rebuild again and he, as you mentioned he's he's what is he 37 did you say uh, yeah he is 37 yeah. yeah so you know it's definitely be only natural to kind of not to be not feeling the same kind of excitement and focus as before, but only 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 he'll know that. Like and you know, uh, maybe it'll you know maybe he learned a little from the Henderson fight that he can kind of make you know Henderson is not afraid of making a, a fight really boring just to make sure he wins it. I think Creedy maybe could you know yeah. implement a bit, a bit more of that agree, in, yeah. in this fight to get the to get the decision. Maybe Bellator won't like that and won't give him a step up in competition if he does that, but. You know, to 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 get safe wins uh, in in Bellator, Peter Queeley probably could go about you know uh, taking a leaf out of Benson Henderson's fight, even uh, book, even if it is a bit boring to watch uh, Ben Henderson these days.
I watched uh, I watched Tito Ortiz versus Chuck Liddell the other day, and it was the famous take a book out of his chapter fight. <laughs> I was like, oh, there it is. There's the there's the line. I think we kind of got half one of them there from you, didn't we? Maybe not. But You're I, one of the greatest light heavyweights of the of night. The night. <laughs> no, it was Mike Goldberg said the the fucking the, the book out of his chapter. What a no, was it? What yeah, a, it was, was Tito, Tito not said in that the ring too. interviewing Babalu, and he was like, "You're one of the that, greatest yeah, yeah, yeah. fighters on, of, of the, the night." night. <laughs> and oh, there was a great video going around that that was like pursed lips and with he, Tito. Yeah, kept popping up pursed lips, pursed lips, pursed lips. Absolutely fucking hilarious. Fedor Minimininko. <laughs> uh, Tito was some man. Tito was some man. Anyway. But Should there was literally about like four or five minutes of like fuck ups from about eight minutes of work. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny. Uh, Josh Barnett was fighting that night as well when they interviewing him. Anyway. Um, imagine imagine employing Tito Ortiz to speak. How fucking idiotic can someone be? Sinead Kavanagh, Janae Harding. Um... Big fight for Sinead, as we said, with, uh, with uh, Norbert Navigny earlier on, coming back from a bad knee injury. Sinead's been out for a good bit, um, and that will be a big step to overcome. You know, she was supposed to fight Cyborg, you know, probably look a blessing in disguise. That's not happened straight away now to, to work her way back in. But she's fighting Janae Harding, and this will, I think, probably help the mentality because, look, she fought Janae Harding before, ended up losing that fight via cut and a doctor stoppage. So she want to get that back. So look, if the matchmaking maybe doesn't make as much sense, you're going from a, a title fight to a girl who's what six and seven, I think, or something like that, uh, in her career, you'd say, oh, what's going on there? But this does make a um, sense, I suppose, in, in in that terms. The first fight, look, the cut first of all, and the finish. Um, uh, John Gavin is not the type of guy who I think goes against fighter safety or doctors or judges or, or uh, referees or anything. But the way he shook his head after this fight was stopped to the doctor, I think kind of says it all. Big John said it in commentary. I think a lot of people said it, it was one of those cuts. It was a bad cut. But the cut man, Big John made a great point. The cut man wasn't given the full minute to stop the cut bleeding. And the doctor looked at it before he was given that and stopped the fight. Made absolutely no sense. This fight could have gone on. It went one round. In my opinion, Sinead Kavanaugh was absolutely boxing her up. Now, Big John in commentary thought the opposite, and you know maybe he knows more than me, so I'm not, I, I'm not a, a god here at all. But I thought Sinead was was by far the better fighter. Now, having watched Sinead since then, obviously she fought Liam McCourt. I think her boxing has actually improved, so maybe that won't be the case coming in here. I think it'll be a tougher fight this time for Sinead Kavanaugh, but you'd still expect her to win. I think with the boxing, but as I said, with the knee. Big, big fight in a big spot here for Sinead. Massive, massive opportunity for our uh, 2022 Irish Female Fighter of the Year. Uh, good. I expect this to be a good fight. Graham, Janae, we came in and struck with her last time. If she does that again, Sinead Kavanaugh is not a type of person to have a boring fight if it's on defeat. Yeah, and exactly. I don't think this will be one either. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, Sinead probably feels a bit sour about how the, you know, the doctor stoppage happened. You know, uh, obviously, you know, she she thinks she was winning the fight. I think most people who, who watched the fight thought she was winning the fight. And obviously she got caught. And as you mentioned, the kind of the protocol that we usually see wasn't followed. And Sinead's had a few kind of, you know, unfortunate things like that happen in her career. And, um, you know, even in the in her last fight against Liam McCord, like a huge fight, uh, a lot of jeopardy there, a lot of a lot of like um, a lot on the line, and she goes in there and tears her ACL and adapts her game and kind of shows a part of her game that we that people kind of questioned over the years because she's coming from boxing and she's a, she's a big striker, you know, a really technical striker and stuff. People kind of 
you know, and it was probably true at the start of her career that she kind of wasn't as well-rounded in the grappling sense as uh, as maybe uh, some of her opponents, but the equalizer was her, was her hands. But now she's shown us over recent fights that she's she is well-rounded now and she can she can wrestle, she can grapple and went in there against Liam McCord on one leg and, you know, uh, mixed up the game plan because of the injury, you know, uh, adapted and overcame and got, got a huge win there and you kind of mentioned that she was getting the title shot. I think, I don't know if this is me being cynical, but I think, you know, Scott Coker was quick to, oh, we're going to give Sinead the title fight, even though she'd just been like carried out of there with a clear ACL injury. So, you know, it's easy to say, oh, we were going to give you the title shot when you know that there's no chance she's going to be ready for that title shot. But, uh, Poor old Scott Coker to accuse him. Yeah, of yeah. Like what do you think? Are you, uh, am I just cooking up a conspiracy uh, theory here or do you think I might be onto something? I'd never thought of that before, but... <laughs> Maybe it's something I I'm not saying it's aliens, <laughs> but it's aliens. <laughs> if I was in Scott Coker's position, uh, that'd be a big brain decision to make right at that point. I think that's fucking smart if he did do that, to be honest. He's I, been I, around a long time, you know. Yeah, he's he's, yeah, he's promoted yeah, a lot of MMA shows. Maybe we don't give him enough credit, but I I would say no, I don't believe it, but I kind of hope it is true because that's really big branding on Scott Coker to say so. But um, yeah, look, it's an interesting fight here for Sinead. Big fight. Um, Injury is a big thing to go for. As we said earlier, though, you know, mm-hmm. uh, how much is that in her head? How much can she trust it? You know, uh, is she going to be wary of taking some kicks on that? Is Janae Harding going to think, I'm going to target this, you know? Um, will that play into it? I think Sinead will have too much for her, but yeah, there's definitely always a extra question when the fighter's coming back from a, a major injury like that, especially a major injury to the knee. And we've talked about like, you know, knee injuries a lot on the podcast. It seems to happen a lot, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely uh, a factor coming back off a big injury. It definitely is like, it definitely plays into your, it must play into your head. And it definitely, um, is something your your opponent can target, and maybe something that could flare up, or even if you're standing kind of differently or moving differently to try and compensate for your knee uh, subconsciously, you can end up like uh, injuring other parts of your leg. Like I know that from personal experience, with like coming back from ACL surgeries, that like you end up like injuring your hamstring and your quads and stuff like, and your calves and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, Sinead. She knows she she knows her opponent. She's fought her before. Yeah, Janae Harding's definitely improved, but I think Sinead has has shown um, from what I've seen um, bigger improvements. You know, especially as I mentioned in, in her kind of grappling and wrestling side of her game, and I expect her to go in there and win and kind of avenge that uh, unfortunate situation. What was it? Nearly five years ago, four and a half years ago. Yeah, do you know what she needs? This will sound like an ad now, right? But new a new mattress. I got a new mattress there yesterday. And I, <laughs> are you fucking are you taking money on the side are you? <laughs> no, I won't say where I bought it so, but like I have a terrible shoulder everyone knows that woke up this morning and uh, I was throwing right hands like fucking Mark Hunt or something like um, it was perfect no no sore back or nothing ah uh, a new mattress honestly like what, what did you get a, a medium or a hard or, or I, oh, I like a hard mattress I couldn't I couldn't sleep and I hate soft beds I've like I'm going to Dublin here now and the bed's going to be lovely did you ever, ever sit on a soft one and you just like sink into it yeah. it's like oh my god what the fuck's going oh, on I hate it I hate it like I'm not going to sleep for three days here I can't sleep in hotels I can't sleep in soft beds it's just not a thing and I was like this is not like I'm talking to Miss like this is non-negotiable. Like we're getting a fucking hard bed. There's a bit a bit of softness on top of it, you know, but like it, it is one of these ones where 
it has like lumps on it, but they're like mold around your body when you go on, and then it's you're like it's hard on top. Oh my god, it's the most comfortable bed I've ever slept. And I'm very there's two things I'm picky about, Graham: beds and coleslaw. Right, and <laughs> if I didn't, if I didn't oh, like this bed, I'm so sick. Any kind of mayonnaise related thing. Oh, you don't like any coleslaw, do you? No coleslaw. Oh, do you like Do you like ranch sauce? No, it's absolutely disgusting. I'm it's glad you said that. It's vile, vile shit. Anything that like resembles in any way mayonnaise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. Do you ever have Japanese mayonnaise though? That's a fucking game changer. I never want anything it. to do with mayonnaise <laughs> anywhere near me. <laughs> I've just discovered your hatred for mayonnaise and I kind of like it. I like it to be fair. You love coffee though, don't you? How does anyone like coffee? Coffee's worse than mayonnaise. Oh, some people put sugar in coffee. It's just like mental. It's meant to be bitter drink. Like drink it properly. Or um, I remember oh. the first time I met you, you bought me a coffee and I was like, what was this? What are you giving me this for? I didn't even take it off. I was just like, keep that there. I don't that I think you gave it away at the fucking Niall McGar or someone like that. Like, Hold on to that coffee. Sure, I probably just sculled the one I had in my hand and drank that one. Probably you're know me. I've never, I've never seen you're. Do you know what? You're fucking like mentally insane. I've never someone seen someone skull drinks as quickly as you do. Like we, we I didn't even drink coffee before. I used to drink tea, I, and then yeah. waiting around for Connor like years and years ago, just fucking <laughs> Joe, and like, just go for a coffee, and I just go for a coffee, and then I'm just mm. like. Sitting around drinking coffees in a coffee shop, waiting for waiting for remember, the man to arrive. Remember last time we went for a few drinks and you got a strawberry daiquiri and you just you drank the strawberry daiquiri in literally eleven seconds, like you just yeah. Well, that one down. in fairness was like ninety percent ice, but yeah, yeah. But like, why would you not drink that over like fifteen minutes? Why did you drink it in like eleven seconds? Ah, I'm trying to. I'm getting trying to get a job done. Let's get it done. <laughs> What's the job? We went for two drinks. You weren't trying. Well, to get well, drunk I, I drink like cider a lot as well. It just tastes like soda. You can just yeah. like, you know yourself. You can drink a can of soda in yeah. one minute. Like soda. What are you fucking American? Yeah. Soda. Well, this is a international Minerals. podcast, and we have to Minerals. accommodate for our, our friends across the pond. Cider is <laughs> cider is the only alcoholic beverage. What do you I call it? Drink. Fizzy pop. <laughs> Fizzy pop. Fizzy minerals. It's minerals. That's what minerals. Yeah, minerals. I have an old mineral with the fizzy dinner, drink. Like. Fizzy drink. Fizzy, uh, fizzy drink's okay, but I minerals. 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 Yeah, working yeah. in the hotel traders and no, that's what it is. Mineral. Right? I have a, a diet coke, a diet mineral. You know, a bit of a mineral. I'd love a diet mineral. A diet mineral. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. It was uh, when we went to America, right? Sure, what the fuck are we even talking about here? <laughs> Mattresses and fucking daiquiris <laughs> and fucking in the middle of our bedroom. <laughs> we went to America, right? And we ordered this big fucking meal. And my aunt ordered a diet soda. And I was sitting there thinking, like, diet soda, that could be fucking anything. What did they know? And they brought her like a diet coke. And she was just like, grand. Like, just order a diet soda. But also, they came to our house, right? And um, <laughs> she'd only drink water from bottles. And this was Ireland in the fucking 90s now. I think this was a good few years ago. And uh, <laughs> my, my mother brought one. She, they were there for two weeks. She bought like 24 pack of water. And when they were drunk, drank, she just filled them at the tap and put them back in and fucking replaced them. And they were drinking tap water for the well, fucking where was two she, Where weeks. was she from? She's from America. But she was originally Irish. Like she lived in Ireland for fucking. See, in fairness, like if you years. actually go to different countries, I'm not sure about Ireland. To, yeah. to America If you drink the water In some countries It yeah, fucking yeah, destroys your, true, your yeah. insides That is true But she, she was grand But I 
I'm probably she's had some uh, prior experience with a uh, yeah. massive constipation or <laughs> diarrhea yeah, for that, drinking water. The more the I think of it, though, the more I think of it, that's fair enough. But also, we're in Newcastle West, like, we have the Ballygown water coming for our taps, so our water is fucking beautiful. We have the perfect, best water in Ireland. Anyway, let's get back to Bellator with two fights to go, and we're an hour and 20 minutes into this fucking podcast. Pedro Carvalho against Jeremy Kennedy. Uh, look, if it wasn't for the main event, this is probably to be the most high-level fight in the card. A, a brilliant, brilliant fight. Pedro Carrillo, sorry, Pedro Carrillo. Um, oh, Jesus, the wins he's had recently. I, I've said this a couple of times now, Graham, but I, I, I think it's worth repeating. I remember we were on the podcast, and it was after the Sam Cecilia fight in 2019. So that's coming up on four years ago. And I remember posing the question at the time, was Pedro Carrillo the best fighter fighting out of Ireland at that time and you know there was a, you know maybe apart from McGregor or whatever and at the time I think there was a definitely that possibility you know there's probably another few people whoever it might have been at the time I'll mention no names just in case I don't fit anyone but he was top top five without a shadow of it arguably number one that was four years ago right four years ago and Pedro Carvalho is only 27 now this guy is a young guy who's been improving an awful lot since then. Okay, he's had losses since then, and but he's had some very good wins too. Like he's lost uh, Patricio Wilson and Nijelski, which we mentioned earlier. But the win over Daniel Veitcher was a massive win. The win over Mads Burnell was one of the best Irish wins of all time outside of McGregor. Well, uh, probably the best when you think about it. Uh, massive, massive, massive win, and he's done nothing but improved since then. And this is. A guy I think we probably underappreciate in, in Pedro Carvalho fighting out of Ireland to have someone that high level. And he goes in here against Jeremy Kennedy, right, who, okay, he won against Aaron Pico last time out, but look, if anyone who watched that fight knows Pico got a shoulder injury and it wasn't win, uh, the normal win you would expect. But he beat Emmanuel Sanchez before that, a very good fighter. He's been the likes of Steven Seiler uh, and others as well in his career. Very, very, very good fighter. And this is a, a good fight. He fought um, Alexander Volkanovsky. In, in the UFC uh, a few years ago uh, as well and he didn't end up losing that fight but he said fights in the UFC and fought some good names in the UFC he was booked to fight Josh Emmett who just fought for the title was booked to fight Mirsad Bektic does it and end up happening but he fought Honey Jason and, and Kyle Boschniak and, and a few others as well he's a guy who's been around the block for a, a good long time now at this stage having made his debut back in 2013 10 years since he started fighting Big, big task for, for Pedro, but well able for it, I think. Like, uh, when you look at Jeremy Kennedy, he's a, he's a strong wrestler, um, but he has power as well. I think he's, what, seven wins or something like that, via knockout and two submissions, a lot of decisions in there as well. But he, you know, he can grind a guy out, he will grind a guy out. But you look at, right, this fight and <clears throat> you look at the Nijelski fight and think, right, Pedro, you've had the Nijelski fight to prepare for this fight. You also look at Kennedy and you go, look, the Sanchez fight. Sanchez isn't a million miles away from Pedro and the way he fights. I think Sanchez probably a little bit bigger with the output. Pedro probably a little bit of a better technical striker, although I have a lot of respect for Sanchez as well. And, uh, you know, so maybe maybe we'll see that fight someday and we'll, we'll check that. But... There's a that's a very interesting matchup. The ability not only to, to wrestle from Kennedy's point of view, but to stop it from Pedro's point of view. And then we have the striking, and we've seen how Kennedy beat a guy in Sanchez who you would say resembles Pedro in, in certain ways anyway with the striking. And Pedro has, you know, gone in there against Mads Barnell, who is one of the best grapplers in the world at Federweight and beaten him in his last fight. This is a, a very, very interesting fight in, a, in, a, in many different ways, I suppose, and a huge one for Pedro, isn't it, Grant? Because he's back in title mix if he wins this. Yeah, you mentioned, like, we, we were talking about Pedro coming into that uh, 
Pitbull fight years ago, and I think we even said at the time that uh, it might have come a little bit too early for him. You know, he's obviously was very young. He's still very young, and you know, he was very kind of young in his career. Even though he, even though he had, um, you know, experience, he he was still. You could see he was still working on certain aspects of his game. He's a bit too wide open. He was a bit too hittable. He he still had some like evolving to do, and. You know, the win against Daniel Weigel, it looked like, you know, it was a huge win for him. But I think the Mads Burnell, the style in which he did it, the the fact that he went in there and nullified the threats that Mads, uh, we've seen him possess. We've seen him, you know, use to great effect uh, against loads of people in the past, like a really experienced guy as well. Uh, and Pedro kind of broke him, you know. he, he By the end, he, it was only going one way. Mads just had no way of getting back into the fight. Everything he was trying to do was just nullified. And it was a really brilliant performance by Pedro. And I think after that fight, you could see the the confidence that he has now in his game, that he really believes in what he's doing. You see he's tightened up certain things that maybe made him, you know, stutter in, in, in those fights we talked about before that kind of possibly came too early for him. Now it looks like he's ready. You know, he's in a big spot. He's here. here he's in the co-main event. He's in against, uh, you know, as you mentioned, the guy who's been in, in the big shows, a guy, a guy who's, you know, fought in front of big crowds and stuff like that as well. And, you know, a guy who's who's fought against some top-level guys. And it's it's a it's a difficult fight, but so was the Mads Burnell fight. And he looked phenomenal in that. So, you know, Pedro, it's it's definitely it's definitely no easy fight. It's definitely a, it's definitely a big ass, but he's looked phenomenal. Uh, he looked phenomenal in that Mads Burnell fight and he, and he really seems to be putting it together sometimes it just starts to click for guys like a, like Will Fleury is another guy who it seems to have clicked for recently and I think it's clicked for Pedro and he's tightened up the kind of flaws the obvious flaws in his game and he's now a really really difficult fight for for everybody in this division Massive, massive fight for Pedro and a massive fight for the division as well. Looking forward to, to seeing that one. Looking at a massive fight for the division of welterweight as well in the main event uh, as we have the, the first of two welterfe- welterweight unification bouts in Ireland that are going to be happening in the next six weeks or so. Um, we have the Cage Warriors one coming up, but next Saturday night we have Yaroslav Amasov fighting Logan Storley for the Bellator MMA welterweight championship. Amasov... Obviously, was over in his native Ukraine fighting the war against Russia. Um, Logan Storley fought MVP for the interim title while he was well. Amosov was off doing that. Uh, won that fight in our robbery of the year from last year, a very contentious, close decision, but he did win it, uh, and they will fight here. This is the second time they have fought. The first time, Am- Amosov again won a pretty contentious, close decision. That time, uh, Logan Storley had his back and was was almost choking him towards the end of that one. That was the third round. It was a three-round fight. be very interesting to see how a five-round fight goes. Look, at the story of that first fight was interesting, but it's also... I don't know how much it'll play into this one because five rounds is a big thing, but also Storley is pretty young in his career and I think has improved an awful lot since then. I wonder, is that a key? Because uh, he's 30 years of age now, Storley. That fight was in 2020. So, we're, and, you know, it was, near, it was late 2020. So it's only been two-ish years uh, since that. But he looked good on the feet against Neiman Gracie. He's definitely improved his striking. He's definitely improved a good bit in that time. And, you know, has Amosov because Amosov as I said he was off in the Ukraine he well, probably wasn't able to train at all he was fighting a fucking war for God's sake for a good few months and that, that that's a big issue for him coming in here as well so if they're very even the last time you would think 
Storley might have the advantage coming in into this one. Um, just to describe the fight as well, I suppose, the, the first one, Storley was going for takedown after takedown after takedown, couldn't get him, and then Amasov ended up taking him down a couple of times. I wouldn't say dominated on the ground or anything like that, but you could see that he's, his wrestling was more effective in that fight. But Storley's jiu-jitsu, I think, was a little bit better, and he was able to scramble well, and when he did kind of get the fight to the ground himself or got in a better position on the ground, he looked more dangerous than Amasov did. Then on the feet, Amasov looked slightly better. I think he was a better technical fighter where Storley had probably a little bit more power, but Amasov didn't look the most technical striker in the world. But it's it was one of those matchups where Amasov against most people and Storley against most people looked devastating as a wrestler, and their striking is kind of you know used behind that. Whereas in this they didn't look devastating as a wrestler because the other wrestler was so fucking good and then they were forced to maybe show more of their striking than they'd want to. As I said again, by the end, Storley almost had the finish late, but Amasov had done enough to win uh, the fight on the judges' scorecards. But like, will Storley be able over five rounds to put on the same sort of pace he put on over three rounds there and maybe tire Amasov out? Who knows? I think the tactics of this one will be very, very interesting. What way, what way do you see it, Graham? I know like it's it's this old school wrestler versus wrestler matchup that might turn into a striker match if it's five rounds and they're fighting... Um, a lower pace, maybe it might turn into a little bit of a boring fight, but also the f- last fight was really exciting and really good. So, if we're to look at that one and say, "Oh, this one's going to be boring," it might be a little bit unfair. So, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not sure how this one will go in terms of how it'll go as a fight, but in terms of who will win either. Have you any indication who you who you think might take it? You know, it's probably going to end up being really close rounds, kind of like it was in the first fight. And in the first fight, Story kind of did, you know, uh, he started to win the fight, but a little bit too late. And that was a three-round fight, so maybe you know he can. He maybe he figured out something that can help him. You know, it was a couple of years ago now, though, as well. And but as you mentioned, Amosov hasn't really been as active, even though they are both coming off uh, really good wins. You know, obviously Douglas Lima. We all know about Douglas Lima and Michael Benham Page. They're they're two very good wins. These guys will both be very confident going in there. But yeah, I think. Um, it's probably going to be really close decisions, a uh, really close decision with really close rounds. But um, uh, I, I don't, for some reason, I think Logan Storley's going to win it. But you know, as you said, can he kind of put the pace that he that he put in the in the first fight and that he likes to put in a five round decision against a really good wrestler, where it's probably not going to be able to find too many moments to rest. You know, sometimes you can take a guy down and get on top and kind of put your weight on him and kind of take take a little breather but I don't, I don't think Amazon's going to give many of them opportunities um, it's, it's a hard one to pick but yeah I think uh, it's going to be it's going to be a close one yeah I think it's going to be very 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 close as well and as you said close close rounds not just the close fight like Jesus Christ I'm, I'm kind of going to be glad that I'll probably I will be at cage side and I won't be able to watch the fight closely enough to give my judging analysis of this uh, because I think it will be one I really do think it'll be one of those that will be five rounds and will be a close decision but do you know what I'm, I'm looking forward to it and um, yeah after our initial five minutes of giving out I think just, we, a, just a prediction of how many what percentage of fans will be left if it is a five round uh, oh. decision when the, when the decision is being read out Thirty mm, percent. What do you think? That's high. That's high. Uh, <laughs> when the decision's been read out, yeah, like, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Oof, oh, Jesus. Ten, fifteen. Yeah. If it's if it's a, like a stand up kind of, or or else one of them dominates the wrestling and it turns into a boring fight. 
yeah, ten or fifteen possibly, but oh, yeah, if it's a barn burner, that'll that that thirty to fifty might be might be more like that. But if it's if it's if it's not a great fight, what percentage of people do you think will be there for the start of the fight? Ooh, um, if if Pedro, I think it depends a lot on if Pedro wins or not and how the night is gone. Um, um, they wouldn't want to wait around too long and make the people wait too long. <laughs> they want to get those fighters out of there, have them ready to go the second that decision's read. Uh, yeah, definitely. It it depends on how the card's gone. Like if. If like you know Jeremy Kennedy, he's gone in there and get his get his hand raised, you know, probably be the majority of people walking straight out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. I, I hope they don't because I do think it will be a good fight. But yeah, I'm not a hundred percent. DJ Linderman versus Mike Hay- or Mike Hayes was <laughs> that the fight? That's the one that oh, the, uh, Andrew McGann's always talking about. That one, isn't he? So yeah, it's um, the rematch. To know what he wanted, we'll see. Uh, I wonder how many of the media members will be there for uh, Yaroslav Amosov's uh, <laughs> um, uh, scrum afterwards, fucking an hour after the fight ends, five minutes before the fucking Gibson closes to get a point. That's what well, I Probably not us. <laughs> well, we will be. We'll be the only fucking e- I don't know. It there. depends. They want to get him out quick. <laughs> yeah. uh, give, give, give us Scott Coker before the, the main event and we'll be... He doesn't speak English. There. Great. Oh, oh no. I'm not a shame. Oh, we've no... We, oh, no. There's no... <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's no Ukrainian translation. Ah, shucks. We'll shall we talk, and we'll catch him next time, Grant. We'll catch him next time. We'll be fine, but sure. We leave it there, lads. We leave it there. So we, look, we've gone on too long. We're not going to be talking about the UFC and all that. Um, no Q and A either this week. Um, we will be back with that next week after Bellator Dublin. We're going to have a mega, mega Q and A. So we'll have something extra for you this week. But anyway, even if we don't, just Thursday. The YouTube is going to be absolutely packed. I'm going to be live streaming the Wayne's Friday morning. All going well. I, I sh- it should be grand, but the last two times it was grand anyway. I'll be doing the live commentary and that. Join me at, I think it's, oh, here, hold on, I have it right here. It is, I'll tell you now, 9 a.m., 9 a.m. Friday morning for the live Wayne's on the Severe May YouTube. I will be doing the uh, the bit of the golf, golf commentary golf, over golf, that. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that will be, uh, that will be fun. Get into the comment section there. And, uh, yeah, we'll be all over that. As I said, follow my, myself, Graham, Andy will be there um, on the night covering the event as well. So if you see us around, give us an old, give us an old wave, give us an old hug, give us, you know, an old hello. Also, Graham, I found I have two t-shirts left. If anyone wants one, let me know. Let me know. I have two, t- two large t-shirts, I think. If you're in Dublin, I might just first give it to you. First, first come, first serve. But let me know before Dublin so I don't be bringing them with me. So let me know if you're around Dublin, maybe around the fucking media there, something like that. If you can drop into the Gibson, I'll meet you there. I'll give it to you. Let me know. All right, we leave it there. Thanks, Before everyone. Before you go, if you're, if, if you're gagging for a bit of a UFC reaction, there'll be the severe takeaways, takeaways. up on the YouTube channel and check that out and hit subscribe while you're there. We're nearly at 30,000. As I mentioned last week, we're growing our uh, YouTube channel a lot over the last, what, year. Uh, we've added, we've doubled or more our, our subscribers and there's loads of content going up there that you, you're missing out on if you're, if you're not subscribed. And, yeah, uh, head on over there and and check that out if if uh, if you're you're expecting a, a UFC fight night breakdown and you're not getting one. A hundred percent. Yeah, we'll have it there. So the 
the lads are absolutely brilliant. Harry, the best analyst in the game. Spencer been around for a long, 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 long time and knows everyone on the car better than anyone, so they're better at us than doing it. And we're, do you know what? The fights are actually going on right now as we're uh, recording this. I didn't think they were on that fucking early, but do you know These things happen in MMA. So we leave it there, lads. Also, for anyone going to the card, here we go. Last thing. Um, the card starts at 4 p.m. 4.30 p.m. Sorry, 4.30 p.m. on uh, uh, Saturday. 9 p.m. main card. The uh, doors um, uh, are open at 4, 4 p.m. Is that right? Let me just look here again. 4 p.m. the doors are open, I think. Yeah, so... Get down there, lads. We'll see you around. Enjoy the cards. Um, follow at Severe May. Follow at Sean GMBA and all of that for all the good stuff all week. Follow our Instagram as well, SevereMay.com. Another thing that has trebled since the last, since last Bell card, trebled Instagram. We've trebled actually the weekly fucking listeners to this podcast. So shout out to everyone here. We've trebled the YouTube subscribers as well. So an absolutely massive, massive, massive few months for us. And we appreciate every single one of you. As I said last time, don't be a fucking freeloader. Click subscribe. Even if you don't sign up to the Patreon if you want. That, that's not a freeloader, but click subscribe. If you're not subscribed here and you're listening to this, you're a fucking freeloader. Subscribe. Come on. Give us a subscribe. Spotify, iTunes, wherever you are. It's free. It's free. It's free. Free. So do it. Uh, and, if, and if you are subscribed, you're the best. And we you are the best. You. We love you. <laughs> Graham will give you, a, personally, a big hug if he meets you. So. Right, Graham. This is the longest podcast I think we've had since the fucking McGann days. So... Give us sign us out there, Graham. Give us a, a quote for the week. I'll give you a long one just to, to, to fit in with said. the podcast. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> he got a custom Continental. He got an Eldorado too. He got a thirty-two gun in his pocket for fun. He got a razor in his shoe, and he's bad, bad Leroy Brown, the baddest man in the whole damn town. We'll see you next week. For me, the fight that I'd be looking forward to the most, I would be Michael Finn and Page versus Richard Kiley. Richard Keeley and Michael Vinnipage. Richard, I spoke to you before about uh, Michael Vinnipage and... And what... Well, you have the microphone there, okay? We had a conversation prior to his fight with Paulie and David. What happened? Well, you called it the way it went. Yes, I said it was going to be a snooze fest and that's exactly what it was. Uh, people are down you, people called you a can and everything. Is that something you've kind of brought with you through camp and are like using it? I don't mind people, the uneducated, calling me cans. I, I listened to your podcast, I had issues, I, had to, I took issue with the stuff that you said. Now you're, you're back with, with all due respect to Richard 3 and 1. A lot of people call him a can and stuff like that when this fight was made and... You know, it's, to me, it's an interesting fight. You know, I strongly disagree with it. I think I actually find it a bit, a bit, a bit disrespectful, and that's why I'm calling you on camera. What exactly did I say that was uh, bad? You said it's going to be a fun fight. Even if it comes out and Michael Vinnan Page wins in two or three minutes or whatever, I think it'll be a fun fight. This is a fight of fine margins. One of us is going out. I have no doubt that one of us is going out. But mark my words, I fully intend on it being him. Richard Kiley is a guy, maybe underrated is the wrong word, but he probably is underrated. I'm interested to see if maybe Kylie can prove some of the doubters wrong. But I'm going to look forward to proving you wrong. Sean, I like it as a person, but the stuff you said I had a serious issue with. It'll be a great night, and like I said, if I wasn't fighting, I'll be watching it in the, it'll be watching it in the stands. Richard, thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the podcast as well. <laughs> Thank well, you very much.